0: There's one question I get most often from people in this era, and that is, how do I stop my wife or my husband or my ex-wife or my ex-husband from getting our kids injected with the mRNA? And for some reason, I'm getting a blast of these this week. I'll answer that and some other requests for help from the podcast family. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we should live. And I am a happy product of the Soda Weight Loss Protocol, seven and a half pounds of unwanted fat gone. And what day is it? Yeah, tonight. Get to have dinner with a loved one who's been on the program now. It's going to be six weeks that she's been on the program. Number one, couple of announcements. Uh, you may not have heard this. My friend Alyssa, who has decided to help me book guests for the podcast of her own volition without asking to be paid. She's a brilliant woman and very busy, but she's decided to help with this. Looked up our um, podcast rankings in a, in a service called Listen Up. Uh, so number one, thank you, Lord Jesus, for blessing this Number two, thank you, podcast family and former radio family for sticking with us. Uh, number three, thank you to uh, the management at my former radio station, in Bonneville, uh, my colleague, uh, Jason Rantz. Uh, thank you to a guy I disagree with on everything now and and feel quite sad about and, and deeply disappointed in, uh, and yet was kind to me, and I still love him deeply, uh, Michael Medved, for helping to Get me rolling again in radio. Uh, thank you to, uh, to to 770 KTTH, that radio station, for the time there on their transmitter. Thank you to a guy named John Carlson on another radio station who brought me back into radio. And thank you to a guy I used to work with Chris Widener for making that happen. Um, we are in the top one half of 1% of all podcasts uh, globally. And that's due to you. Uh, it's due to my friends at major media, major, actually major creative marketing uh, in Seattle. There, there'd be no show without them. Uh, they've been the, the ad sales partners from the beginning. Uh, thank you to every partner you hear on the show. Uh, Zach Abraham, who we chatted with earlier, uh, Bulwark Capital Management, uh, Soda Weight Loss, who I just mentioned, Alan Soaps, Bone Frog Coffee, American Financing. Uh, thank you to, to all those folks. Um, and there's a lot of people behind the scenes, you know, about Julie Barrett, um, you know, about Dave Parkhurst, and those are the folks I pay to do things, and I thank them as well. Now, to the business of the day, I get an email probably every week, and for some reason, I think it's probably to do with kids going back to school, uh, that there are some parents who are flat panicked about getting their kids um, injected. They, they want it to get done. And I get these emails very consistently. So I, I thought I would go through, it's been a while since we've done a show on on emails and a couple of these are asking for help. And this first, I haven't heard this name before, PECO, P-E-C-O, Los Angeles, California. And PECO, I didn't, uh, I didn't catch if you're a man or a woman or, or maybe you're one of those modern people who ain't nothing. Um, Dear Todd, I'm begging you for help. My wife is demanding our kids get the mRNA boosters. Thank you, by the way, Peko, for calling them an mRNA that you recognize they're not vaccines. Uh, back to Peko's note. She's terrified ever since her, oh, here we go. Her sister, a doctor, said Omicron is spreading faster than any COVID virus in history. She wants this done by Monday. Please help. Uh, so, Peko, thank you for the notes. And again, I get, I get countless notes like this, and I respond when I can, and I'm, I'm, I am blessed with so many emails. I, it's, I don't know what I'm going to do with that. I feel so slimy uh, for not re- responding to every email. It, it hurts me. Uh, fortunately, I'm providing in the show notes for everybody in this circumstance. Uh, it's, and I'll add this stuff to my COVID fact sheet, which I need to spend some time updating, which is, by the way, linked on the Todd Herman Show cast. It's also in a, a whole bunch of our show notes. Um, There is a writer that we've talked to before, uh, Mary Anna Alice. Her name is actually Margaret Anna Alice, and she writes uh, a great substack called Through the Looking Glass. Margaret Anna Alice Through the Looking Glass. And she's put together a list, and the the title of her article is tongue-in-cheek. It's 50 Reasons to Give Your Child the COVID Shot. And she has a brilliant compendium here now all this stuff is linked so my suggestion is you grab the links maybe remove the snark um but it's all linked it's all data number one your child wants to play real life guinea pig so i would remind you and everybody else who listens to this that these current injections have not been tested at all not once Not at all. Never. They have never been tested on humans. Ever. And they are injecting people with it. Fauci himself said they were too busy to test these. Are you honestly suggesting you will put something in your kids' veins and into their body that has never been tested on people? Number two, the potential risk of the novel gene therapy lacks long-term safety data. This is all linked. So it's not just the boosters. We've talked about this. You've heard on this program about the long-term safety data. Uh, Grab yesterday's uh, substack. Grab yesterday's show notes that indicate that this virus or probably these injections may be 98 times worse than the virus itself. In fact, I'll put this in the show sheet to make that easy. Baby, 98 times worse than the virus. How? Because of the side effect protocol. I mean, pardon me, the side effect footprint. And what they are showing and what the signals show. uh, In terms of long-term derangement of the immune system and, and for your wife. What that means is making it so that your body's immune system cannot tell the difference between friend or foe. That's that's what I say: immunological derangement. That's that's what's meant by that. So I'll add that as a resource so that you can have that. Going back to um, to this piece uh, from Substack, Margaret Anna Alice. You have you weighed the zero mortality rate that microscopic risk of serious complications from COVID for children, and thought, why not increase the likelihood of being hospitalized by 74% being injured by 25 times and dying by 20 times? These are linked. What she's talking about here has proven to be the case time and again. So again, you want a 74% better chance of your kid being in the hospital, of your kid being injured. You want to increase that, the odds of that by 25 times. You want to increase their odds of dying by 20 times. Get them injected. You want to boost your child's chances of catching COVID multiple times. Again, it's linked. You want to downgrade your child's uh, natural immunity and, and, and antibody dependent enhancement. What this means is every time people get injected with this leaky vaccine, It makes it harder for the bodies to fight COVID. It's it's like this. If you kept getting burglarized and you locked one of your windows and one of your doors, let's say you've got a house with, you got a side door, you have a front door, a back door. Let's say you have a door into your basement. So let's say you have four doors and I don't know, our house in Seattle had a ridiculous number of windows. It was like, we had to replace them. It was like 62 windows. Let's say that you decided um, to lock one of those doors every time and you kept getting burglarized. You think the burglars might say, oh, don't bother checking that. that. That's the one they lock. We'll just go in all the others. That's exactly what happens with these injections because it's just the spike protein that the mRNA sequencing cons your genes into producing All the other factors of the virus are untouched. That's exactly what this is like. Um, Keeping with this list. You think keeping your child's VAX ports up to date with the latest injections, Germany's encouraging 90 days as is Canada, will circumvent the need for masking? Remember this. They're still building the infrastructure for so-called vaccine passports in the United States. It's still, nothing has stopped. Nothing has slowed down. It's just operating in the background right now. You believe informed consent is passe. I'd, I'd ask your wife this. Pico. I'd ask your wife. Let's sit with the doctor and see if they share anything with this. Print this article out. Look at it together. Sit down with a doctor and see if the doctor says anything about this stuff. And they won't. So the list goes on with with 50 50 reasons, like, for instance, number 10. You'd like to add to the 54,697 adverse event reports received for children. For children out of 1,394,703 reports through August 26, 2022 for um, conditions such as encephalitis. Bell's palsy, aneurysms, cerebral hemorrhage, bleeding bleeding on the brain, myocarditis, guillain barr syndrome, appendicitis, heart disease, oh, and death. And remember that when you talk about the VARS database, it's a voluntary reporting. Now, hospitals are supposed to report, but they don't. Doctors are supposed to report, but they don't because they do not want to take the time because it's very time consuming. They don't get paid for doing it and they do not want to be on the bad side of the party. Number 11, you wish your child could enjoy a life of chronic illness from progressively damaged immune system. This is when I speak to immune derangement, immunoderangement. Your body can end up convincing itself that your heart, the sac around your heart is an enemy. It can end up convincing itself that the testes are an enemy. Why? Because it's in the testes and the sac around the heart that these spike proteins gather. The spike proteins, 42 trillion at a time, gather there, so your immune system says, oh, look, that's where the enemy stores itself Let's destroy that area. It it can view it as a cancer. And I'm not saying it is cancer. It can view it as cancer. If you think your toddler would benefit from periodic seizures, maybe they would. You know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Maybe you'd like to watch your little baby have seizures. If you believe that less than a month of efficacy after the second dose is worth giving their teen myocarditis, yet less than a month of efficacy, and the efficacy is a honeymoon period it's a blast of they're not even really antibodies it's resistance to the spike protein that's it and after that the doors open the tide reverses now people are more likely to get sick if you would like to go bankrupt covering the medical bills the government is shielding pharmaceutical companies from you link to this you take your wife to this peco Maybe you guys are really well off. Maybe you've got millions of bucks sitting around to cover some of this stuff, but link to that. And again, to her piece, you want to keep protecting manufacturers from liability. Once their emergency use authorization expires, thanks to Reagan's 1986 national childhood vaccine act, which gives them a pass. As long as the product is administered to kids, why do they want to continue to give it to kids? Because president Reagan thoughts, well, who would ever give kids poison? You think it would be fun if your child developed turbo cancer. What, what, what is turbo cancer? Um, turbo cancer is a very, very quickly growing cancer. This is linked Dr. Ute Kruger is a researcher and her senior physician at Lunds University in Sweden. She's the former chief of pathology, a field that she's worked in for the past 25 years with a specialty in breast cancer diagnosis for the last 18. She's uh, studied thousands of autopsies and breast cancer samples. She's extremely familiar with the industry and patient age, tumor size, malignancy grade, all within her field of expertise, and she has a natural rhythm um, uh, throughout her career. The natural rhythm came to a halt in 2021 once the vaccine rollout began. So these things have had a natural rhythm. There's a natural rhythm to how these cancers appear in women. That all changed. So all of a sudden, all the rhythms changed. Age. The average ages of the samples she received dropped with the rise in the number of samples from people in their 30s through 50s. Boom, more cancer in young people. Size. It used to be unusual for Dr. Kruger to find a tumor three centimeters in size. In this new environment, she's regularly seeing tumors four centimeters, eight centimeters, 10 centimeters, in the occasional 12 centimeter. uh, centimeter. She says in a shocking anecdote, two weeks ago, she found a 16 centimeter tumor that took up an entire breast. Multiple tumors, reoccurrence, all these things are new to this woman's 25 year career, all of them coming about post injection, post needle rape. So, again, please share this with everybody who has kids. And I'm addressing this here to a member of the podcast, Family PECO, but everybody can benefit from this. There's a link to this in the show sheet. Got to have this link. Go to the toddhermitshow.com. Make sure you're signed up for our Substack. And then you'll get show notes every day with resources like this. Back to the piece. If you believe becoming paralyzed from the waist down and relying on a feeding tube, like Maddie DeGray uh, is doing, would be a good life lesson for a child. We've played audio of her mother. She testified in Congress. She's testified in state legislatures. This young woman was incredibly active. In fact, the week before she got these injections, she was out exercising. There's videos of that. She will live the rest of her life perhaps in 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 bed with a feeding tube because she got injected. She wanted to be early on in the test. She wanted to do something for her country. She was told that, that she was being a hero. You'd like your child to go from looking like this, and this is a young boy probably, I'm guessing, um maybe three years old, smiling, robust, seated to um, laying on his back in a bed. Let's see, uh, multiple heart rate monitors, uh, brainwave monitor. He is tubed. Oh, he's got a feeding tube too. You wish you could feel like this father did after his son got vaxxed-induced myocarditis, which comes with a five-year life expectancy. We played this audio on this program you remember this this is the dad the australian dad who called the pharmacist and said why didn't you warn my wife you want your child to experience the adventures of a heart attack so this is all in the show sheet peco and i invite you i i implore you to give this to your wife sit down together go follow the links together And after 50 of these links, if your wife refuses to to heed your advice and refuses to heed this, I would prayerfully, very prayerfully, I'm not kidding. I would prayerfully consider a restraining order, except you live in the separate country of California and you lose. I would prayerfully tell your kids, "I, I, I wouldn't, I don't want you to split the family. I don't want you to put a wedge between your wife and your kids. I don't want that to happen, but I would not allow it. And I would do everything I could to stop it because your wife has been misled and savagely so. Oh, and incidentally about this sister who says that Omicron is spreading more quickly than any variant of COVID in history. That's what happens with viruses. As they evolve, they get into what's called an extinction burst. They become easier to catch and more likely to cause death or serious injury unless unless you've been injected. In which case, we just went through a whole bunch of that data. So I hope you'll share that with your wife because it's absolutely vital. And I hope, that you will, I hope that you will sit with her. Maybe before you sit down, say, hey, if I can give you 10 reasons this is dangerous, will you stop? If I can prove to you there's 10 reasons this is dangerous, will you stop? Because she may think 10. Well, you can't come up with 10. Maybe one. Say 10. And then sit down and go through all 50 of these. Because if she agrees, okay, if you show me 10 solid reasons... I won't, I, I'll back off. Then then sit down and show that all, all 50 reasons. So my prayers will be with you. Uh, I said Pecos, I'm sorry. Peco, my prayers will be with you. Thank you for listening uh, from Los Angeles. Um, next up is a gentleman named Mark. And uh, Mark is in Michigan. His son is falling for woke. And his son is falling away from the faith. The Christian faith, um, falling away from the Lord Jesus, following the world's belief that the word of God exists only for a certain time. And then this is my favorite, that we're just much smarter now than they were. Science is so advanced that we just know so much more than those silly, silly Jewish people did way back in the day. Well, and also the non-Jewish people who followed the Lord. I hope you heard our chat last hour with Zach Abraham, Boer Capital Management. I do. I enjoy springing little audio clips on him like that, like uh, having an <laughs> ear. <laughs> Let me give you this example in case you didn't hear. This happens when the figurehead uh, was was <laughs> trying to pretend that the uh, so-called Inflation Reduction Act is actually doing anything positive. OK, you're listening there to President Biden at the White House. He's celebrating the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act. He says that he's been fighting big pharma for decades. Um, but there is this unfortunate split screen right now with the Dow taking a total beating down more than 1,200 points. And so it feels like uh, it's hard to be celebratory for some people in yeah, the crowd. For some people, that happens. And Zach Abraham has been warning us, uh, well, me personally, Uh, Gosh, six or seven years now I've known Zach, but for a decade, he's been so consistent. Um, You know that I believe that consistent principles, well-applied, can lead to a lot of success. And when those principles are tied to the word of God, I think success is inevitable as we define success as serving the Lord. And Zach takes very seriously what he does of stewarding other people's money. Uh, At Boer Capital Management, he's the chief investment officer. You can get them at KnowYourRiskRadio.com or 866-779-RISK. Here's a nasty little secret. Uh, In the fund management business, people will say, well, there's the fund for the little people, and then there's my fund. Now, truthfully, people who have more money to put at risk will put together side funds. I've never asked Zach that. Do you have a side fund where you put money that you can afford to lose? Well, he's talked to me about that. Hey, Todd, take some some money you could afford to lose all of and let's do some things. But take 99% of your money and invest it with an eye towards risk management. Not an eye. Bolivar Capital Management is about risk management. Now, here's why that nasty little secret matters. A lot of people in the fund business, they don't have their money anywhere near what they're telling you to do. Now, think about this. You're told to buy and hold your whole life. And that makes a lot of sense. 30 years, 20 years from retirement, but 15, 10, or five, what? You have to be in a risk management equilibrium. Zach Abraham and his wife, 90% of their personal net worth is in that company. That company doesn't do well. They don't do well. They don't do a good job of stewarding your money. Their money suffers. It's like a small business that eats their own meals. It's like a small business owner, you know, a, 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 a construction worker who works in his own home money where mouth is if you're five to ten years from retirement it is vital that you get in touch with bulwark capital management and the thing they'll tell you is yep we think you should move your money over here but not all of it because what if we have a bad year no one says that we want all your business zach doesn't say that we want the most of it because we are convinced we'll do the best job of stewarding but not all of it it's KnowYourRiskRadio.com or 866-779-RISK. That's 866 7779 risk for Bulwark Capital Management. is an investment advice. Oh, I got to do it. Oh, oh, dang it. Oh, I got to start it over. The government makes me read this thing. Investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor, representative, check financial LLC, and an SEC registered investment advisor. i do done it. Uh, thank you, government, for making sure that everybody hears that every time we talk about uh, Bulwark Capital Management and Zach Abraham. Mark writes to the program, Todd. I really need your help with something. My 15 year old son is getting infected with woke as it relates to the Word of God. He's saying the text applies only to a time 2,000 years ago, and it is not useful for today. He said that the Jews didn't know that people were transgenders because they didn't have... <laughs> ah, ah, ah. Sorry, I don't mean to be rude to your son, Mark. <laughs> they, they, didn't have, they didn't have brain scans to, to find male brains in female bodies. And since in his words, quote, my God made them, why would, quote, my God hate them? I need you, brother. Mark in Michigan. Uh, well, number one, Mark... Um, I would, I, I would seriously caution your son about the phrase, your God. I, seriously, I would say to him, son, I, I, I hear where you're coming from. In fact, I might sit with him and say, Hey, son, on that topic of my God, I want you to know there's nothing wrong with doubts, nothing. In fact, the Bible is filled with doubts. Most people won't tell you this. Psalms is often filled with doubts. Where are you, Lord? Why am I going through this struggle? Why are you making me do this? It's filled with people saying no to God. Jonah said, no, I'm not going there. God said, all right, well, I'll, I'll have a fish swallow you for a few days. Then you'll go there. And it's you know rare that God forces people to do things, but he forced Jonah. And that doubts are part of humanity. Thomas doubted, and he walked with the Lord Jesus for three years, and Thomas still doubted. Thomas had the Lord Jesus standing in front of him in a room, and in at least one telling of the gospel, the Lord Jesus simply appeared. There was no door, nor door never opened. He just appeared. And only when Thomas touched his hands and put his, his fingers inside the, Lord, the, the wound in the side of the Lord Jesus' body, Did Thomas say, okay, now he said, yes, my Lord, my God. And the Lord said, you have seen and so you believe. Truly, I tell you, blessed are those who have not yet yet seen and yet believe. So I would sit with him and say, that's natural. The doubts, and I would even tell him, I don't have any problems with your doubts. Because the Christian faith can stand up to any doubts. It's the most scrutinized book in history is the Bible. It can stand up to anything. It can stand up to archaeology. It can stand up to, um, to DNA analysis. It can stand up to um, mapping the human genome. It can stand up to the Bing Bang Theory. Um, it can stand up to uh, uh, sociology. It can stand up to linguistic analysis. There's nothing it can't stand up to. So I'm fine with the doubts. And then your job, Mark, is to be prepared to answer the doubts or get the questions answered if you can't. Because I would tell your son, hey, saying, it's my, saying the Lord is my God, you're treading on um, a very serious sin. Because you're saying your son is now rejecting the faith or changing his mind, becoming infected with woke. If your son has accepted the Holy Spirit and, and he gets close to, even near uh, to rejecting the Holy Spirit, he's in trouble. That's, that's very grave in the eyes of the Lord that you reject the Holy Spirit because effectively that's kicking God out of your body. So I tell you, um, I would ask you to say to your son, that's a very serious phrase. I understand what you're saying, understanding that you, you, you don't believe like I do and we can deal with that, but I'd, I beg you to not hurt me by saying the phrase, my God, and it's not that you're making me doubt my faith. You're not. But when I think of you spending eternity in hell for for denying the Holy Spirit and, and speaking out and, and effectively uh, using the name of the Holy Spirit in vain, son, you could spend eternity in hell for that. That hurts me. So maybe say, if you must say it, say the Christian God, if you must say it that way. Now, <laughs> on the topic of the Bible not applying to time now, because it was written 2000 years ago uh, to an eternal God, exactly what is 2000 years? What is it? It's gone. 2000 years is gone. It's a a breath to an eternal God that has always existed and always will exist. Then you might remind your son, Hey, listen, son, you're 15. Now, do you remember when we used to give you timeouts when you were a kid? Do you remember how long the timeouts were? I mean, you give time out to a, you know, a three-year-old. Okay. You know, we've tried other things. I warned you if you continued, um, if you continued to hit your sister or you continued to do this or that, you're going to spend a minute in time out. And you make that three-year-old sit there for a minute staring at a corner and it's solitary confinement for six years. And they're, they're crying and their legs are rocking up and down and they're, they're in tears and it's, in, it's insufferable. Why? Because they're, they're three years old in proportion to their life, one minute's pretty long, but as you grow older, Hey, you know what? you you, you, you have time out for an hour, you know, you're six or eight time out for an hour. And as a teen you're grounded for the weekend because it's all proportional to what we can withstand. So 2000 years to the Lord is nothing. And in terms of application of time, The Bible in every possible capacity in hundreds and hundreds of capacities has proven accurate in predicting which company, which countries would come to the fore. There there are prophetically mentioned countries that that were nothing. It would be like someone coming to us and saying, in uh, 40 years, Mozambique will rule the world. And we go, ha! Mozambique? Mozambique's not going to rule the world. It's very much like that. There were countries that Daniel and some of the other major prophets were saying, yeah, you're going to be ruled by these people. No, I'm not. I'm the king of Babylon, (laughs) Israel. (laughs) Well, and then the Israelis were told, oh, by the way, you're going to get carried off from some people. What? You're telling me the people from Mozambique are going to come here? And you can detail that for your son that these are accurate prophecies. So it was timeless then. How did God know that was going to happen? Because in his mind, it already happened. How did God know about the end of the Babylonian Empire? Because he he lived it. He'd already been there. He's he's eternal. When he says a thing, it has already happened. And then you can go through with him in all the ways, um, and the best perhaps resource for this is Isaiah 53, all the ways in which... Um, Isaiah foretold the coming of the Lord Jesus and described him and where he'd be from and what would happen to him and what would not happen to him. Oh, incidentally, they're not going to break his bones. You could go through the John uh, in the Bible and the gospel of John, the Lord Jesus is telling, he tells the Pharisees. He says to them, hey guys, listen, um, you don't get this, but understand something. God raises from the dead. God the Father raises from the dead and and the Son, that's me, the Son of man. Uh, I return to life whom it pleases me to return. That was like weeks. That was weeks before he went to raise Nicodemus, not Nicodemus. He went to raise Lazarus. Weeks. And he said it, he said it twice. Hey, incidentally, uh, I can raise from the dead. Incidentally, the dead will come out of their tombs. Just so you know, I have been given this power by Father God, just so you're aware. So the person you're criticizing here, just understand, I have been given the ability to judge the world, just and the power to do that and share that with your son. So you can, he can come and say, God doesn't exist. And that's a problem. But to say the word doesn't apply, if you, if, 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 if God is all eternal and existed as always existed, of course it applies. Now to this silliness, this utter silliness of contending that they didn't know that people are so-called transgender because they didn't have brain scans. I had a discussion the other night with the friends some friends of ours in our small group our life group at church uh, at their home and they were asking how did people fall for this uh this is a classic article about the um, lie of transgenderism written by a woman who was a phd um she believed all this stuff wait till you hear this uh, because i think i think mark this will really help you with your son Okay, so this weekend, uh, I think I shared with you how um, how nutty, how nutty this was that Tim Cruikshank, the founder, CEO, and boss man at, uh, at Bone Frog Coffee came over. He, brought, uh, he came with his friend, Mike. Mike's also a Navy veteran. Turns out they know my friend, Jim. Uh, who is retired SPD, incidentally, highly decorated. He'll never tell you that, but his mom will. Highly decorated, wonderful man of God. Uh, He's going to do some, um, he's going to do some, he's going to lead a marriage group at our church. Wonderful man. Um, He, Jim in turn, uh, is, what is he, brothers-in-law? Or he is, no, his mom is brothers-in-law with a neighbor of my good friends and, and instantly my physical therapist, Ben, that all these men knew each other and, or at least Ben was new to the group, but everyone else knew each other. And it's this small, small group. And I'm thinking about the brothership under the Lord. And I want to talk to people who have been peace officers who have served this country in that capacity or first responders and specifically uh, veterans of our military. I'm going to ask you very personally, if you're using bone frog coffee, using it sounds like a drug. Well, you can see see how I view coffee. (laughs) I view it as a drug, Uh, but not with bone frog. I view it as something I deeply enjoy drinking because I love the way it tastes and I love the way it makes me feel. So I'm asking you to go to bonefrog.us and try it. If you're members of the military and you've not done that yet, understand that there is an extended brotherhood, man. There are so many veterans now getting into these businesses like coffee. And these guys are not going to run away from God, country, and team. Not like that other coffee company. Uh, I'm talking to some Navy SEALs who are authors. And, man, their book series is burning it up. And this came through Tim Cruikshank introducing me to these folks. There's something happening. So I'm asking you as members of the military, retired or active, to see if you want to support a brother. Go to bonefrog.us and and hand to the Lord. If you don't like this coffee, please never buy it again. Um, If you love it, sign up for the subscription plan. That is a way you help this podcast. That is a way you help Tim at uh, Bonefrog Coffee. And I think much more importantly, you also help the Navy SEAL community in that Tim gives back. Uh, proceeds to the families of fallen Navy SEALs. And if you ever get a chance to talk to him about folks who gave their lives in the line of duty, you're gonna see something. This is not, um, what would I say? This is not a marketing tactic. This is so close to his heart. Hard for him to talk about fallen brothers without himself falling into tears. All right, it's continuing with this note from Mark in Michigan. Uh, His son had asked, uh, hey, the word of God doesn't apply anymore. We've been through that. And plus, plus, Jesus didn't have a brain scanner, so he didn't know that people were transgender. Um, Okay, well, number one, the Lord Jesus was certainly familiar with people who were confused. He helped them get unconfused. So let's just be clear on that front. There's been all sorts of confusion. Uh, Mary Magdalene was inhabited by, what was it? I think seven demons. He helped with that. I'm not saying that all people who are gender confused are inhabited by demons. Although I do think it's a demonic thing that's being pressed upon kids. Uh, In fact, the, the, the causing kids to get gender confusion is demonic. I'll just say that flat out because it's separating them from the design of God. But this piece is fantastic. And I would send this to your kid because it comes from a leftist, it comes from a woke publication, Feminist Current. Now he might not know that Feminist Current is now attacked by men who think they're women, but it's a leftist publication in good standing. This is such a brilliant piece because it's brave. And this woman confesses something that I think is very, very hard to confess, particularly given the fact Um, that she holds a PhD in clinical psychology from the University of Windsor. She worked as a psychologist at the University of Waterloo's counseling services. Um, She worked with kids who had eating disorders and distorted body images, as well as mood anxiety disorders. She writes fiction, nonfiction, memoir, poetry. Um, And incidentally, she, um, she wrote a great book. Uh, that that was to help kids become girls become comfortable with and in fact celebrate puberty and she actually communicated with me and my daughter about that back in the day we bought her books um so she writes this and this was several years ago until mid-january i was a stalwart advocate of what is commonly referred to as quote transgender rights i didn't waver in my belief that trans women are women and trans men are men and that transgender individuals should be granted access to single-sex spaces based on their chosen, quote, gender, including female changing rooms, homeless shelters, prisons, sexual assault centers, transition houses, and that those who question such belief are misguided at best and transphobic bigots at the worst. Certain aspects of trans activism would occasionally unsettle me such as self-identification being the primary requirement needed for trans women to compete against female athletes on women's sports teams. But I, I pushed those concerns aside. This wasn't worth my attention. transgender individuals were supposedly being discriminated against in so many areas of society further i had repeatedly read that transgender youth had a high risk for suicidal ideation and attempts so when it came to advocating for transgender people it was clear to me that time was of the essence most of my activism occurred safely behind the keyboard on social media platforms like Twitter. During this period, I gained a number of friends and followers, both trans and non, whose similar beliefs in the importance of, quote, transgender rights galvanized me further. I discounted those who didn't agree with my belief system, or rather, shouted online at them in 280 characters less. I used my PhD in clinical psychology as a sword, despite the fact that my knowledge of the science and psychology of sex and gender was minimal. Most people who disagreed with me were women who repeatedly stated that males could not become female and that while the rights of every individual in society must be respected and protected, the rights of one group, trans identified people, cannot be realized at the expense of another, women. When asked why I believed trans women were in fact women, I inserted that some boys and girls are, quote, born in the wrong body and that our brains are gendered. Thus, trans women had a male's body, but a woman's brain. When asked to elaborate, I pointed to the vague notions of knowing and feeling rather than terms that were rooted in science and could be operationalized. When asked to explain further, I resorted to circular reasoning. Some men feel like women and only women can feel like women. (laughs) Therefore, some men are women. When pushed on the question of how it's possible to, quote, feel like a woman, I'd argue that because I felt like a woman, it must be true. Other times I resorted to name-calling, labeling women who were said trans women were male bigots and were stuck in the 1950s and didn't believe in civil rights. If all else failed, I'd mention my PhD. Then I would end the conversation, and uh, uh, as I did not believe I needed to reflect upon this further, after all, I had federal law backing me. Clearly, I was on the right side of history, and so instead of listening, I kept climbing my personal peak, feeling more righteous the higher I went. But earlier this year, everything changed. In January, information about the alleged misbehavior of a self-declared trans woman, JY, was revealed. Initially known for filing human rights complaints against 16 Canadian women who declined to wax male genitals... J.Y. was now alleged to have made predatory comments about young girls online. One comment J.Y. allegedly left said, quote, every time I take that ferry, there's field trips with 10 to 12-year-old girls on it. If a girl asks me for a pad or a tampon and how to use it, if it's her first time, what do I do? Remember, this is a gross man saying this. A, a, a gross man who dresses like a woman. Back to her piece. A selfie of J.Y. in the women's washroom, which included girls standing in the background, also began to circulate. Understandably outraged, many women and several men tried to discuss their concerns about J.Y.'s behavior, only to be silenced for referring uh, referring to J.Y. as a male. On Twitter, temporary, up to seven days, and permanent suspensions were doled out, making increasingly clear that transgender umbrella was successfully being used to shut down any discussion of J.Y.'s actions. Once I became more aware of the policing around the supposed misgendering of JY, I began to notice this happening on a broader level. Women were being silenced in mass simply for speaking the truth. When I remained steadfast in my belief that transgender individuals were vulnerable and that women should accommodate them, the solution involving Twitter and JY created a tiny crack in my previously impenetrable armor. How was it acceptable that those sounding the alarm about egregious actions were the ones being reprimanded? In frustration, I contacted Morgan Ogre, one of the most public faces of the Canadian transgender community and a vice president of the British Columbia NDP, the province's ruling party. Ogre suggested we speak over the phone and uh, an offer I considered quite generous. We spoke for almost an hour and Ogre listened to my concerns, telling me that other women had reached out regarding JY's behavior as well. Ogre stated that it would be fruitless to bring such concerns to law enforcement unless there was concrete, verifiable evidence to present them with. I was encouraged to find possible sources and get in touch with, I found. Based on our conversation, I felt Ogre was troubled by the accusations that were being made against JY and taking them seriously. During our call, Ogre mentioned an event that occurred a few days earlier at the Vancouver Public Library discussing gender identity ideology and women's rights. While I was not at the presentation and could not comment on what occurred, I was struck by Ogre's descriptions. It felt like 1933 Berlin. Now, my husband and children are Jewish. I couldn't stop thinking about this simile, which struck me as extreme, particularly made by a very public representative of a political party. It was at this point when I was told challenges to and questions about gender, ide- uh, gender ideology in defense of women's rights were equal to what leads up to one of the worst genocides in history. I had my what the blank moment. And I began to tip. And in the days that followed I found it more difficult to mag- maintain cognitive dissonance. A term coined by Leon Fester in a 1957 book, A Theory of Cognitive Dissonance. The term describes an individual's need to have behaviors match thoughts, attitudes, and beliefs. I think you know this part. The fact that we'd reach a point where representation of a political party felt this comparison was acceptable and didn't, and didn't think saying such a thing would make any look, look, anyone look twice was telling. More conflicting thoughts followed. Was there any evidence that transgender people were at risk of imminent extermination similar to vulnerable groups during the Holocaust? No. Were transgender people as a group more vulnerable than women? I had no evidence to support this claim. While silencing women who say that trans women are not women and trans men are not men, a punishment that fits the crime, was that, did it fit? Should should referring to a self-identified trans woman as he even inadvertently mean that women deserve to have online methods of communication, a vital tool for women, enabling them to participate in public and private conversations cut off? No. As I let such thoughts begin to sink in, I started to open myself up to listening to the women I'd previously shut down. Further, I actually started to use my training and did some research. Given my years working as a clinical psychologist, I was particularly interested in what was happening in the healthcare community with regard to gender dysphoric patients. I read the American Psychological Association's Guideline for Psychological Practice with Transgender and Gender Nonconforming People and learned that psychologists needed to, quote, educate themselves about the many ways that cisgender privilege and anti-trans prejudice may be expressed, including the importance of examining how their language may reinforce gender binaries in an overt or subtle or unintentional way. The guideline also suggests, uh, stated that psychologists may need to provide transgender non-conforming people with information about uh, TGNC identities, offering language to describe the discordance and confusion they may be experiencing. In other words, departing from a piece, if people said, I don't like my body, I don't feel comfortable, they were supposed to say, are you sure you're in the right body? Maybe you're a chick, mister. (laughs) Back to the piece. Next, I turned to the Canadian Medical Association's journal, Management of Gender Dysphoria in Adolescence and Primary Care. I read and read, and the more I uncovered, the more I I was appalled. According to the CMAG guidelines, despite the fact that care of transgender youth is still a relatively young field with a limited body of research to inform care, healthcare practitioners, practitioners were encouraged to engage in affirmative care and avoid influencing the adolescent to move down a path they would have not chosen for themselves. Further, I learned that clinical practice guidelines recommended hormonal suppression for youth with gender dysphoria at, uh, at, at pubertal stage 10 or 2, which occurs at the average of 10.5 years in girls, 11.5 in buys and boys. The authors indicated that with the current recommended age to commence sex hormones at 16, it could not benefit children as young as 13.5 to be placed on hormone treatment. And she goes on and on about the hormone treatments. And then she gets to what I consider to be the money line. She learned there is no instance of a male or female brain. This is a PhD. She learned that the risk of suicide was overstated by a thousand times. She learned about the permanent risk of infertility. Everything she was taught about gender ideology was a lie. And she is a PhD that got sucked up into this. So with due respect to your son, uh, (laughs) Uh, no, I'm sorry. The Bible very much applies to this day. With all due respect to your son, Mark, I appreciate you. I'll be in prayer for your son. James writes on the topic of WAP, that disgusting song that Hillary Clinton and Chelsea pimped. Todd, I couldn't help but thinking during the show about my pastor's sermon this past weekend titled Bread and Circuses, with the premise that the Roman Empire kept its people happy by giving them free bread and circuses. In other words, keep them occupied with entertainment and keep their bellies full. What the party is doing now, including Hillary, is pandering to this concept. What is more entertaining than sex? It certainly has occupied the minds of a large portion of Americans and sadly, large portions of the church. This keeps us distracted from A, what the party is really doing and B, what God wants of all of us. I found that fascinating after this past Sunday's message, and there's a link to it in, like, in case you'd like to watch his pastor's sermon. Thank you for what you're doing and for keeping God in front of your audience. Thank you, James. It's God doing that. I am simply a vessel. Appreciate that. Lance Van Winkle, longtime friend of the show, longtime brother of the show. He writes, dear brother, regarding your personal note and apology tour, I respectfully submit the term apology tour demeans and minimizes the importance of the work. The purpose is to make yourself uh, of maximum service to others and to God. The amends are to remove the obstacles that hinder our relationship with God's service to others. Amends have the ability to heal both parties, except that such amends would injure them or others. Twelve Steppy, maybe on the surface until maybe one studies and finds out the true intent of the twelve steps. Truly love you, brother. I wonder what the spark will be that sent the entire thing on fire. Regards, Lance. I often wonder what the spark will be that says, "Yeah, the entire thing on fire." Regards, Lance. Love you too, brother. And hate Lance. I, I'm, I'm when I'm saying apology tour, I know I'm tongue in cheek, and I think people understand I'm referring to Barack Obama's apology tour. But I take seriously what you're saying. I, I don't want to um, de-emphasize what I feel God told me to do. And on the topic of faith, Amber, dear friend of the show, dear friend. Hi, Todd, quick correction. You has to be corrected if you're an heir. I usually expect others uh, to, will do chiming in, but if not, in reference to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and allowing black people to be members of the church, they've always been accepted, all people into their membership, which is what you stated incorrectly. What you meant to say was that from its origins up until 1978, with a few exceptions, black men were not permitted to be ordained to the holy priesthood. They could be baptized and confirmed members of the church like anyone else, but not ordained. It was still an exclusionary policy, but perhaps not as exclusionary as most people understand. Love your show, especially as touched by your immediate act of repentance today when you were talking about stealing pizza. <laughs> you didn't make a note of it to take care of later privately, but instead addressed it to the moment you became aware of a great example. Um, smiley face Amber from Olympia, Washington. What a great note. You're absolutely right. I, I did misstate that. You're right. Um, and I should have known that, uh, that that was not, it was not that they kept black members out. Lastly, on a little note, long ago that someone dear to me dropped onto my, what was it? It Was into my um into my hand? Yeah, it was. Long ago, I was in a prayer group at church uh, with a dear dear friends. I sometimes don't get to see enough, and they listen to the podcast. There's Connie and there's Jana and there's uh, uh, I don't know who else listens to the podcast. Connie and Jana are dear friends who listen to the cast and other members. I think of that uh, that crew begin to listen to it. Um, that. I so missed that program and I need to get back to it. And I was sitting there and Jana passed across a note to me and it said, you've heard the call. What are you waiting for? And I said, Jana, what does this mean? She said, what do you mean? What does it mean? You know what it means. And I said, I don't. She goes, you've heard the call to preach, start preaching. Why are you waiting? And I said, I'm not qualified to preach. And she said something to me now, which is common parlance for me. She said, Todd, God does not call the equipped. God equips the called. And where I've landed on this is, number one, Janet was right. I did hear the call. Uh, Number two, God is equipping me. And he wants to equip you. So my question is, are you open to being equipped by God? Jenna noticed something, and I honestly don't know what it was. A guy who spoke about politics for a living, a, a guy who liked the word. I don't know what she saw. I should ask her what she saw. But let me ask you this question. If God came to you right now, if the Lord Jesus came to you at this moment— And he appeared and he said, for instance, he said to Lance, Lance, great note to Todd. I need you to do something for me. Would you do it? Well, it depends on what it is. Wrong answer. If the Lord Jesus came to you and said, I need you to do something for me, would you do it? Because the wrong answer is, it depends on what it is. The right answer is yes. Well, he has. He's asked you to go and make disciples. And so my question to you is this, what is your process for that? Are you prepared to have a process for that? Are you prepared to pray about it? We're not going to win. We cannot win unless we battle. We cannot battle unless we're equipped. We will not be equipped until we accept the call. So I hope that you will accept the call because while we haven't met most of us in person, there's a reason God called you to finish a now 57 minute podcast. If you're at minute 57, God is calling you. It has nothing to do with me. God calls people to himself. I'm incidental to the process. Will you open your heart? This is the Todd Herman Show. Always appreciate the notes. Please go be well, be strong, be kind, and be listening for that still, small voice.